I first uh, saw a headline that I wanted to ask Joseph Newberger onto the show to discuss, but I think we need to get to the breaking news off the top. Joseph Newberger is a Toronto criminal lawyer and 640 Toronto legal analyst. Joseph, good to have you on the show. Thank you. My pleasure. So we found out about a half an hour, Dave Bradley broke the news that yeah. the London uh, tax suspect has been charged with terrorism. Are you surprised by this charge? No, uh, I know it was uh, sort of at the forefront of the investigators' minds, and of course the public. Um, they may have had access over the last week or so to additional information with the assistance of the RCMP to gain access to other type of either social media or material on his computer that may have given uh, sufficient evidence to find that this was motivated not only by hate, but motivated for uh religious, political, or ideological reasons. So it doesn't surprise me, but um, uh, unfortunately, these things are, are more common now. And we see because of what goes on on social media that people become radicalized. And so we may see, you know, in cases that target uh, groups, uh, we may see this happen more often. It's so one of the things that really stood out to people when we started to look into who this guy was is that he didn't, even though he's uh, 20 years old, didn't have very many, uh, didn't have a very large social media profile. So are you suspecting that they have some pretty damning evidence that could have been in the dark web, that he may have been staying off the traditional social media platforms that you, me, and your grandmother use and going a little bit darker? Yeah, there there has to be something uh, where, you know, like you said, it's on the dark web. There has to be something more concrete than simply the actions in question. I'm not denying that they're hate motivated or that they're tragic and it's it's uh, against individuals uh, of a particular group. It's absolutely wrong and, and horrific, but there has to be something more qualitatively there to establish that this was to intimidate a particular group based upon political, ideological, or religious reasons. So I would assume that they found something and they did bring in a special unit from the RCMP to assist. And of course, it's the federal prosecution agency who've given authorization to lay these charges. So I would imagine that there would be something else there. It doesn't happen very often in Canada that a terrorism charge is laid because it's really difficult to uh, lay that charge and have it stick. Is there a danger of overcharging? Like if they can't prove terrorism, could he get off altogether? Not at all. No, I, I don't see a danger at all. And actually, I alluded to earlier that you know, unfortunately, we've seen a rise in hate-motivated crimes in Canada and the United States. And and again, I, I there is no danger. If it, it's a there's a lot to be established to get a conviction on terrorism. It will not take away from prosecution on first-degree murder charges or attempt murder. Those I you know will be very easy to prove. And to establish that there is a motivate uh, motivating factor of hate will I think be very easy to establish as well. So although there's this extra burden on the prosecution to establish uh, terrorism, uh, I don't think it's going to in any way cause difficulty with uh, with proving the other offenses, given what has happened. I just it's just an extra hurdle for them to go over. And if he's found guilty of terrorism, what is what kind of sentence does that look like? It's it's not really going to change much by way of sentencing. Um, it's it's another offense um, punishable up to life. He is facing life imprisonment. These are first-degree murder convictions. There is, you know, little doubt uh, based upon interviews that I know the police have conducted and the evidence they've gathered that this is a very, very, very solid first-degree murder 
case, which will result in life imprisonment with no chance of parole for 25 years. So all it would do, in my opinion, is there may be a case here to be made out for consecutive sentences as opposed to concurrent because of the legislative changes a number of years ago during the Harper government. And this will be an added factor in conviction that frankly would make it very difficult for this individual to ever get parole. Well, thank you so much for your perspective on this, Joseph, because this is a really important story. I mean, uh, the the funeral yeah. happened over the weekend and it just was devastating for everybody. So let's just turn our attention to a story that caught my eye originally before we knew that this was going to break and there would be terrorism charges right. against the, uh, the suspect in London that mowed that family down. I saw this story in the CBC. It said, why are Canadian police using expired blood collection equipment in uh, DUI investigations? I went on to read a little bit more about it. The RCMP have admitted to using these expired blood collection kits. And in some cases, it's been a regular occurrence over the last few years. In a statement, the RCMP spokesperson confirmed to the CBC that if only expired kits are available, officers are allowed to use expired equipment to process drug or alcohol readings. I mean, as a criminal lawyer, this has got to make you shudder because, you know, as as just an average Canadian, you know, we all know that do you, you know, drinking and driving is a horrific thing to do. But if you are being accused of it and the test that they're using is expired, that's problematic. Very problematic. Uh, the accuracy of the testing will be called into question. You can challenge that when you're using an expired kit um, that uh, taints the process and it taints the results and, and it, it can result in acquittals or stay of proceedings because of that. And what it shows is a lack of investment in infrastructure. So, you know, the RCMP, which you know, uh, handles cases out in British Columbia and other areas, depending upon remote areas as well, you know, they're not getting the funding that they need to have up-to-date technology. Um, there was a rollout many years ago of the uh, new versions of the intoxilizer machine. So they were state-of-the-art. Um, and I, I have other comments about that, but it's not relevant right now. Is but, that a breathalyzer? Uh, is, is yeah, that that's the called? breathalyzer. Okay. And, you know, I, I had difficulty with that because that was... It's good, solid technology. The problem was it was never accessible uh, to the private industry. So to check its accuracy uh, is virtually impossible. You're relying upon government studies. So when you add that to a mix that there are some police services that are unfortunately using expired kits, it's very problematic when you're dealing with such a serious offense. And for defense lawyers, this is a, a, a rich area to cross-examine on and bring applications to state proceedings because they should not be using in any way, shape or form expired kits. That said, in certain instances where people are in hospital and they're being treated at the same time, there are extraction of blood, which is are in, which are contained within vials by the hospital, where the police can then execute a search warrant to obtain those vials and use that to draw the analysis for blood alcohol concentration. So- Yeah, but that's in an extreme case. Well, yeah, so God forbid you have a case involving bodily harm or death, this person's in hospital, there's blood being drawn for many reasons. You can execute that warrant. But um, so there are other avenues. But you, one would imagine that given uh, you know 2021, that there'd be proper investment in infrastructure. So these police services will have state-of-the-art technology. And those people who are accused, we, you know, the defense lawyers can have due diligence to know that the science that's being used is up-to-date and accurate. And so we're not seeing any wrongful convictions. 
I would think as a defense lawyer, it'd be very easy to understand why you wouldn't like this. But uh, as a prosecution, can you even build a case on an expired blood kit? I mean, that's evidence that's you should. shaky. Yeah, you shouldn't. I mean, you should not. At the minute a prosecutor knows that they're using faulty science, so in other words, an expired uh, kit, uh, the case should be stayed or withdrawn. I, I, it, it's not so much fodder for the defense as it is, or for the prosecution. Prosecution has to do everything they can to establish something beyond a reasonable doubt, which is truthful. And if you are relying upon faulty science based upon faulty kits that have expired, in my opinion, it's not, well, it's the best we can do because that's what we have available. It shouldn't be allowed. That should be the end of it. And then that should force the hand of government to provide proper resources to police services to have kits that are up to date. This is a story about the RCMP uh, using its expired blood collection equipment in DUI investigations. I know that this is happening out at West because there have been lawyers uh, talking about it. Ha have you ever had this come across your desk? No, in in, in Ontario, um, uh, you know, when when blood is drawn in a very serious case, it's usually um, the hospital drawing it and then warrants are executed. And most of the time, um, you know, samples are taken by way of a, a, a breath, a, a breathalyzer the, or the intoxilizer. So we haven't seen this like we have uh, out West and RCMP in Ontario, really we're dealing with local services like OPP, Toronto mm -hmm. Police, and they have a very up-to-date technology. Joseph, thanks so much. I really appreciate your insight on both of these uh, headlines and, and uh, wish you well. Have a stay, safe afternoon.